Welcome to the Business Tune-Up, the podcast that'll help you find your business spark. You'll hear great stories, learn quick tips, tools, and ideas from two top-tier business coaches that each bring their own experiences and perspectives. Candice and Jim are both passionate about what they do and share the same goal to bring value, inspire, and help each client they work with reach their full potential. This podcast gives you business insights through genuine, authentic, and fun conversations. Here are Candice Eckstein and Jim Cummings. Hey, Jim. Hi, Candice. How are you doing? I'm not bad. How are you? Very well. Very well. Thank you. Excited to be here. Another yep. podcast recording, another super exciting topic, and what I'm assuming will be a great conversation with you. Yeah, so uh, this topic is not one that I'm terribly good at. We were saying earlier that we're, you know, we don't claim to be uh, subject specialists on this one. But um, as you said, I think it's something that should be of interest to everybody. So why don't you tell us what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so Jim and I thought that today we would talk sort of loosely about organization in general. I mean, I don't know how many times I've said it or I've heard Jim say it or our clients say there's just not enough time in the day. And definitely part of it has to do with time management. And another part of it, though, we felt has to do with how organized are you? And as an entrepreneur, a business owner, or even a leader within an organization, there's not a shortage of things to do or balls in the air at every any given time or any given day. So we thought it would be neat to talk about organization in general. What does it mean to be organized? What's worked for me? What's worked for Jim? You know, what have worked for some of our clients? It's, it's uh, sort of a loose topic, but something that we felt would be of interest to lots of people. And hopefully we'll give a couple things um, or a couple tips during our podcast today that maybe you haven't tried that would work for you and help you become more organized in your sort of day-to-day. Yeah, so th- that's that's exactly right. So how to stay organized and focused. In fact, I use this sometimes in my marketing um, because I tell people, if you ever hear anyone say, oh man, there's just not enough hours in the day, I say, send them to me. Because part of what we as coaches do help people, we help people stay focused and organized. And part of that is accountability. We, we, we ask questions around, you know, what did you say you were going to do and did you get to that? But there are a lot of strategies that you can employ to help you be more organized, right? Yeah, Absolutely. And when it comes to being organized, I don't think it's optional. I think what's optional is how do you stay organized? And as Jim said, you know, where do you put your time and energy and and what enables you to be as focused as possible, but actually staying organized um, when leading a business or owning a business isn't an option. So without further ado, let's dive right in. All right. So the the first thing that came to mind for me when we discussed doing this topic was, and this is going to sound more like goal setting, like our podcast on goal setting, than it really is about being organized. But, you know, it it may sound funny, but uh, the first note that I have here is start with a dream. So the trick to getting your life organized is to first know what you want and to have a plan as to how to accomplish it. I love this saying, I'm going to, I've said it before, I'm going to repeat it. A dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps 
becomes a plan. And a plan with action applied to it becomes your reality. So yeah, that's where I want to start is have what what is it you really want in life and then have a plan on how to achieve it. Yeah. And and that's really interesting. There was a Forbes article that I read and it didn't have to do specifically with goals in general, but it spoke about to-do lists. And the reference in in the Forbes article was only have a to-do list if you schedule time for the items on your to-do list. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that kind of, that made me think of the article when you were talking about, you know, having a goal, but once you have a goal, have a plan for that goal. And then, you know, is that plan realistic, you know, and what are the timelines to accomplish it? So interesting, you know, and, and so I'm sort of digressing a little bit, but part of staying organized is having a to-do list and having that action plan but as they referenced in, in the Forbes article, make a schedule. When are you going to tackle the items on your to-do list? And then they go even further in the article to seeing if those action items are large items, is there an opportunity to chunk them into smaller items? But I think the point here, tying it back into our topic of being organized, is schedule, schedule, schedule. You know, and that also goes into your part about being accountable. When are you going to do it? Is it something you're going to tackle today, this week, this month, this summer, in 2035? Right. Maybe not. So I'm glad you brought up to-do lists because it's something that I adopted early, early on in my career when I was in my 20s. And I've said this before. I, you know, I don't know how I managed to get through university because I never had uh, what we used to call a day timer or and any kind mm-hmm. of a calendar. I didn't write anything down. How I actually made it to classes, I have no idea. How I got assignments done, I have no idea because nothing was ever written down. But the thing about a daily to-do list, I started doing to-do lists. There's a couple of things. What makes a daily to-do list so powerful, first and foremost, is that it crushes procrastination. When Mm -hmm. you've got a list of things that you want to accomplish today, there it is. It's staring you in the face all day long. And you tend to get those things done more consistently because you've written it down. And it's not like you are absolutely 100% bound to the entire list. Like you don't have to have anxiety around not accomplishing something. If you don't get something done on a particular day on that list, just carry it over to the next day. If you end up carrying it over, like four or five times, maybe you got to ask yourself, how much of a priority really is this thing? And maybe it should come right off the to-do list. The last thing I want to say about to-do lists is that there is some kind of satisfaction that comes from ticking yes. things off. You're, it, it, hey, when you, when totally. You go, I was just, um, I was waiting for you to take a breath and I was going to say <laughs> the exact same thing. How gratifying is that when you do something in your to-do list and you, not in your head, but you can actually like the motion of scratching it out or checking it or making a big circle, you know, that you've done it. It, it really is satisfying and, and gratifying. So I'm a big, big, you know, for me personally too, I love writing things down versus having them digitally. I, I like the old sort of pen and paper and being able to scratch things off. I also find sometimes that devoting certain days or certain times for specific tasks work really well. So 
for me and my business. I know typically I'll keep as much as possible Friday afternoons to do my administrative work, my follow-up, my action items, catch-up work, and I'll block that time. And I'll know that that time every week is dedicated to my, what I'll call administrative work. So sometimes that's another way that could help you stay organized. If you know you've got repetitive tasks that you either have to do you know, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever it is, is to have specific times allocated for those tasks can also help with staying organized. Well, absolutely. And uh, so you, a couple of things I want to address that you brought up here. The first one is you, we cannot stress enough the importance of writing it down. That yeah. I used to tell all of my staff, if it's not written down, it's not real. So things like taking notes, uh, take notes during meetings. Like I have a notepad that I, I, I like you, I, I do it old school, uh, but mm -hmm. it's still the most effective way when you're in a meeting or on a Zoom call. See, you've got, we're both holding up our, our notepads right now. And so during a meeting, if you think of something that you want to address, you can write it down. It also is a record of everything that you've talked about, the important parts of the meeting. Uh, professionals write stuff down. This is, this is one of the key things about, uh, key techniques for staying organized. Um, and so you have a notebook, carry it around with you, put it in your, your briefcase. If that's the case, if it's small enough, you know, fit it in your purse or whatever, but have it with you. Um, the other thing is put dates on everything. So, you know, I, mm -hmm. I just broke a line under the, the last meeting and I, I put the title of the next meeting and I put the date right there. So if I have to refer to that, uh, refer back to it, I can just flip through the book and it goes right I, all by dates. I can see everything, every meeting I've had forever. And once the book is full, I just get a new book and I store the old book. And I usually keep them for a year or so because you never know when you have to go back. And it reminds me of, I, I was working with a gentleman, one of my businesses many years ago, I was in the renewable energy business. And I'll tell you, I learned so much about project management and how to like sort of semi-large scale construction projects. And I had the honor, it really was an honor to work with a gentleman named David Hurley. And I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning his name because it's all good stuff. But David works for one of the biggest developers uh, in town. And I got to work with him. He was kind of assigned to the projects that I was working on. And I got, this is a guy who builds like 40 story buildings. So, I mean, he's a super uber organized project manager, construction project mm -hmm. manager. And here we were building these solar installations and we had these kind of small time contractors who would, you know, be out in the field pouring concrete and building these, these sites for us. And we'd have regular meetings with these contractors. And I watched him weave his magic. What he would do is during a meeting, he had a binder and he would write down everything that was said, everything that was agreed to during that meeting. He put a date on it, put the names of the people who attended the meeting. And then he closed the book, say, thank you very much. And off you go. And I remember more than once in a subsequent meeting, a contractor would say, well, I never said that. Well, I'm not, I'm not doing that because I never said I'd do that. And he'd go, oh, really? And he'd flip to the exact date <laughs> and he'd read to the guy, this is what you said on May 25th. You said, la, 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 la. How could the guy deny it? I mean, yeah. that is... That, that is the ultimate in professionalism, staying organized and holding people accountable. Another thing that I do is I use the notes app on my phone. 
I use it all the time. Whenever, you know, you have an idea and you think, oh, I got to remember to do that. Or, you know, this is something I want to read about or something I want to look up and learn about. Just jot it down in a note on, on your notes app. And uh, there it is. And of course, then you have to back your phone up because I, I swear if I ever lose my notes, I'll, I will cry. So <laughs> I have <laughs> I have my phone. If I ever, like if I lose my phone, it's backed up. And and hopefully, anyway, it's never been tested, but, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, lose all that stuff. No, anyway. I think, uh, you know, and I, I love a couple of things that you said. One, going back to writing things down. I mean, I definitely believe that I retain things better. Me personally, when I write them down, you know, handwritten versus sort of digitally sending things down. And, you it's know, I don't professionalism. know. It's just plain professionalism, right? Professionalism, yeah, so write stuff down. So for me, it's, it's, I, it, it helps me stay accountable and I retain information better. I also, you know, your point about sending yourself notes on your, your notes pad or your, your task bar, whatever in your phone. I think that, you know, that's such a great point. I, I do have a note section in my phone. I don't utilize that as much as it sounds like you do, but I send myself emails. So as soon as I think of yeah. something, I'll send myself an email. And I think that's the point, you know, it's about on the fly when an idea pops in your head or something you have to remember to do or tell somebody, whatever it is, it's in that moment. Because again, we've got a million things going on. Life is busy. You know, send yourself a note, however, you know, either like Jim does in your phone or the way I do it, I send myself an email. Oh, I, I do in, that in too, real Ken. time. I do that too. I agree with you. I'll I'll think of something and I'll send myself an email. What's nice about that is it may yeah. be a day later that I check my email, but there it is. The email yeah, from right. me saying, check this out on such and such. It's usually a link to something, right? It's like, I want to read an article or maybe it's a really interesting quotation or something that I want to capture and use later for a client or whatever. So you're absolutely- Or a cool topic I want to tell you that we should talk about for our yeah, next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, definitely send yourself. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to say- um, I, I, are you, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Are you done with your thoughts? No, no, that's cool. Yeah, go ahead. And we've, we've kind of been all around this, but we haven't explicitly said it. Use a calendar on your computer. And I, I mean, I'm sure most people nowadays do. I'm kind of dating myself by saying that. Maybe most people just take it for granted and they, you know, use a calendar. But I know that a few people I know do not use a digital calendar or an internet calendar. I find it absolutely invaluable because you can set reminders. You can, you know, like I had a reminder come up this morning that, that dates back like eight weeks. That was, you know, somebody said, contact me at the end of May. I want to act in the beginning of June. Well, you know, I wrote it down. I made it as a reminder. It popped up this morning. I contacted her and she said, yeah, thanks for getting back to me. You know, she wants to delay it another month, but that's okay. At least I did my bit and I, I responded to her and I could have never done that. I mean, I don't know what I would do without Google Calendar. It, it just, it keeps my life completely organized. Everything's there. It can't get lost. It's never going to get lost. You can't lose it if you lose your computer because it's in the cloud. So it's, yeah, it's I think um, I agree with you. I, I overuse, if that's even possible, my calendar as well. And, 
And I wonder if our listeners, you know, recognize or realize or utilize their calendars sort of to the full capacity. Of course, most people use their calendars when they're sending a meeting invite or receiving a meeting invite. And so, you know, obviously, when when you have a meeting or a luncheon or something with people. But as you said, using your calendar for reminders. So reminders such as employee milestones, your employee's anniversary, your employee's birthday. Those are really, or or your spouse, it could be used for personal too, right? You don't want to forget your anniversary at home. But anyways, for, you know, key milestones and reminders, it's important. Also for when you're onboarding new employees, there's some really key pivotal dates. There's should be a 30-day review, a 60-day review, and then a 90-day review for their probationary period. You know, as soon as you're hiring an employee, go into your calendar and put in those 30, 60, 90-day markers. So, you know, or, or, you know, I put them in as reminders for those dates, but then even a week in advance, in a week, I've got the 30-day discussion coming up. So what do I need to do to prep myself and be organized so in a week when I have that meeting? So it's to help yourself prep and get organized, but it's utilizing your calendar to also prioritize things that you have to do. So you can color code different things in your calendar or for different people you know, that come in. You can do that actually for emails as well. You can flag them. And so by using different colors or flagging mechanisms, that's another way to help stay organized digitally. It's a hugely powerful tool. And I know I don't yeah. use it to anywhere near its fullest extent, but uh, I, I mean, just, and, and the, I mean, it's free. It's very intuitive, easy to use. It can't get lost. It's a, just a wonderful tool for organizing your life. And like I said early on, I don't know how I made it through university without something like this. Like, I mean, I just could not organize. I, you know, usually around nine o'clock at night, I check my calendar for what I have the next day. And I just start processing what needs to happen. And I put everything, like you said, I put personal stuff, you know, like doctor's appointments, you know, car repairs, appointments, everything goes into my calendar. And I allow time for travel. I allow a time for, you know, preparing for meetings. Um, and it's just, it's just a wonderful way to get organized and keep you focused. It's just, and you never, ever miss stuff. Like, and again, that speaks to professionalism. It is so rare. In fact, I had a, contractor colleague of mine uh, wrote me an email a couple of days ago and she said, Jim, what happened? I, I sent you an email. Uh, we were supposed to have a meeting yesterday. I didn't hear, I didn't, you know, you didn't respond to my calendar invite. So I don't know what's going on. Are we meeting? Are we not? And then she said, it just doesn't seem like you. Are you okay? <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. I, I, I hopefully I'm glad I create that impression. I yeah, want to be absolutely. professional. I want to never have the embarrassment of, of missing a meeting or not showing up. Of course, it still happens, um, you know, because just putting in your calendar doesn't mean it's going to happen. You still have to check your calendar and you have to have, you know, reminders set up for an hour before or half an hour before mm -hmm. I get a chime on my phone. That's the other thing is linking your phone to your Google calendar whatever calendar you use, in my case, it's Google. And I have an Apple phone and it works fine. They're both linked. So I have my email linked and I have my calendars linked. So if I make a change on my phone, it shows up on Google Calendar anywhere that I access it from my computer or anything. If I get an email on my computer and I answer it, it shows up as answered on my phone. So it's almost like one system as many different 
nodes to the system as I want to have. And it's just, these tools are so helpful to, to help us stay organized. Yeah. So I just want to recap because you made a couple really great points. So one is, you know, checking that you've got your notifications set up and, you know, setting them up for what makes sense for you. Do you want to be notified five minutes before a meeting, 15 minutes, a half an hour? You know, each person needs to decide what makes the best sense for them. But, you know, the point is making sure that you do have notifications set up. You know, the second point is, are all of your different tools connected, your laptop, your iPad, your phone, your, you know, all the different devices that you use. We're in a, you know, technology world right now. So is everything talking to everything is sort of the second point to help keep you organized. And the third point I wanted to, you know, recap from what you said is, you know, we were focusing on calendar, but you also were speaking a little bit about um, just email in general. And so I think it's equally important as keeping your calendar organized, it's it's keeping your email organized. So what does your inbox look like? How do you keep your inbox organized? Have you created subfolders on the side? You know, for example, is it by client? Is it by employee? Is it by stakeholder, by your vendor? Obviously, depending on what your business and industry and, and sort of sector is. But the point is, do you have different subfolders um, for your business to keep yourself organized? Do you clear your inbox by the end of every day? Do you prioritize your emails by color or by certain people? But it's taking time to organize not just your calendar, but your email and specifically your inbox as well. Otherwise, you know, there are people that get us several hundred emails a day. Oh, and if yeah. you're not organized, well, so to that point, I, I have a client who uh, we, we spent time in our last meeting talking about an employee of hers who uh, gets over 100 emails a day that need to be addressed. So think mm-hmm. about that. She's a, she's a clerk, uh, like a, a law clerk. But think about that. How, I mean, she's, she's just uh, underwater. She, she can't, I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable uh, wall to climb every day uh, to just get through all those emails and to, and to not let anything fall off the edge of the table um, because they're all time sensitive. They're all important. So uh, you can imagine how incredibly organized this person needs to be in order to just, just get through their emails. But I mean, you know, are there other strategies? I mean, uh, as you said, have your um, the different folders already set up? You could also uh, tune your your spam folder so that I mean your spam filters so that you don't get as many distractive emails. Um, make sure that you don't lose stuff that you actually want to get though. So don't turn it up too high. The other thing is, I find I don't I don't well. I guess I'm, this is obvious just ignore, like, I, I don't even bother deleting the email. Like it takes a, it takes a fraction of a section second to delete an email. I don't, I don't even delete it. I just go past it. I, I don't even open it. Don't look at it. I just look at the title. I know immediately this is something I don't need to deal with. My eyes just go right past it. And I don't think about it. I just move. And so I can scan 15 or 20 emails and pick out the one that I need to look at. That is, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the ratio is something like that. It's probably 20 to one, maybe it's 30 to one. I don't know. Most of them are garbage or not garbage, but something that I don't have to address. But there's the one that I do have to address. And that's the one I click on. And then about, I don't know, once a month, once every two months, 
I go, okay. And I just click on all red. So I, it gets rid of all the little dots beside the emails that weren't read. And then maybe once every six months or a year, I delete everything that's older than a year. And it just, I, I just batch collect everything and delete all those emails. Now they're still there. They're in the deleted folder, but that kind of keeps the computer uses it less power when you haven't got that many of them in your inbox. Right. Yeah. So I think the point is it's everybody's got to come up with an organization tactic that makes sense for their role, their business, their industry. Some people, you know, may need to keep emails for 10 years. Other people right, like you maybe right. for a year. Right. So it just it it does depend on kind of what the role is. And you were speaking and I had a thought and then you kind of changed to something. And now I'm like, what was that thought there? I'm like, that was really good. There was something I wanted to say. You should have written it down. See? <laughs> right. Right. When you were talking, I was like, crap, uh, there's something that I wanted to say. And it'll come um, back it so, will come back to me. But I was going to say, let's talk about procrastination because I know that's something that haunts a lot of us. Are you ever caught by procrastination or are you the kind of person that never has a problem with that? Well, I definitely wouldn't say I never have a problem. I'd say I'm pretty good at, um, at, at dealing with stuff only because I feel like my life doesn't allow me to procrastinate. There's always 10 million things that I have to tackle at one time. That procrastination would just make it worse. So I would say generally I am pretty good, but for sure I get caught in, in it. Um, so what, what tactics do you use for things that you just don't want to do? It's perhaps an unsavory thing. You don't want to do it. It doesn't have to be done right this second. How, how, what, ta you know, tactics do you use to make it happen? So for me, I think it, it really is in all seriousness. One of the things that we've, we've already spoken about, I would say for me personally, in my line of work, you know, the thing I'm most passionate about is, is the actual coaching and, and working with my clients. The part about my role that I'm, not as excited about is doing the administrative work, you know, doing my invoicing. And anyways, I don't need to go into what, what administrative responsibilities are. So for me, if I were to procrastinate, it would be on something like that. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I've set up where every Friday afternoon, I've blocked off, you know, a few hours to do those tasks that I would say are, are the not as exciting part of my job. And so for me, that's what helped me with procrastinating. It was, it was identifying a very specific day and time every week, which doesn't say, again, I get an emergency call, something has to be taken yeah. care of, and that time has to be moved. But really, nine out of 10 times, Friday afternoon is when I do the tasks that I would typically procrastinate. So, you know, to take it a step further, I've sent myself a meeting invite. So just like you and I have a reoccurring time where we do our podcast or we have, you know, reoccurring meetings with clients and those are blocked and protected times, I've got time in my calendar for myself to do my administrative tasks or if I have to write a business report or whatever I have to do, I'll send myself a meeting invite. And that is blocked and protected time. And I hold myself accountable to that time as much as I would if I had a meeting with you or somebody else. And so things like that help me not procrastinate. I will hold myself accountable by that meeting and by, by that reminder and for that time that's in my calendar. Yeah. I, so those are great, great techniques. If it's written down and you know you have to do it, it shows up and it's like, okay, 
it's almost like someone else is telling you to do it. It's not you. <laughs> uh, but I find it, you know, if it's any consolation to those people out there who struggle with self-discipline, oh boy, I used to have so much trouble when I was a young man uh, and a child. I, self-discipline was not something I was, I had. Uh, it, life was all about what's the next fun thing I can do and, and how can I avoid the stuff that I don't want to do? And mm-hmm. that's true procrastination. But it, what I, the message I want to give is that it gets easier. The older you get, the less of a problem procrastination is, I find anyway. And self-discipline is like a muscle. It gets stronger the more you use it. It actually gets easier to do stuff that you don't want to do. I, I say, just start, just do it. Just like think Nike, just do it. It gets easier. It, trust me, it gets easier and it, you you stop worrying about it. It's kind of like chores, you know, like doing the dishes. Like when, think about it. When you're a teenager, oh my God, the, the, the machinations you go through to avoid doing the dishes after dinner. Uh, but when you're at a certain age older than that, you just do it and you don't even think about it. It's like, eh, I got to, you know, I got to do the dishes. So you do it. So just, just, just telling yourself, just start, take that first step, get started. It gets easier. The next time you do it, it's easier. The next time after that, it's easier. And I also like your idea, write it down, put it in a calendar. It pops up. It's kind of like, oh, it's somebody else telling me to do this, not me. So I guess I better go do it. Yeah. And I think too, if it's a reoccurring task that you have to do, it becomes sort of habitual. You know that, you know, every Tuesday at two o'clock, this is the task that you need to do. So whether you love it or not, it removes a bit of the procrastination because it becomes part of your daily or your weekly routine. I would also say, and this, you know, is somewhat related to procrastination, but, you know, maybe more on the lines of organization is, Nowadays, is there an opportunity to automate more of the tasks that you do manually? And there, that's not to say that there aren't things that, you know, as a business owner or a leader in an organization that you don't have to continue manually doing, but things have become a lot more sophisticated now than they were 20, 30, 50 years ago. And so there is an opportunity for systems and processes to be more automated. And that's another tool, I guess, that could be potentially utilized to help stay organized and also to help better manage people's time. Yeah. Uh, You know, you've reminded me of something. I have a client who said that, you know, she, uh, I think she was, she was struggling with getting started on writing a business plan for a, a new venture that she wants to launch. And she was procrastinating, procrastinating. And, uh, what she finally said to me was, all I see in front of me is Mount Everest. So in other words, she, she saw this mm-hmm. enormous task that she had to do. And because of the enormity of it, she couldn't take the first step. So what I told her is break it down into much smaller uh, chunks. So don't think of it as climbing Mount Everest. Think of it as going the first 100 yards. Uh, And then think of it as going maybe a kilometer and you get to base camp, the first base camp. That's all I'm doing is getting to that goal. And what comes to mind is, you know, a football coach doesn't tell the team, uh, go score a a touchdown. What Mm -hmm. he or she says is, okay, the next play is going to be pass to number 15. So you, you, you take each 
down as it comes and you reevaluate and move on to the next move that you're going to make. So by taking huge tasks and breaking them down into manageable chunks, it makes it so much easier. And before you know it, you've accomplished it. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know as much, you know, from a business perspective, unless you're following, you know, a strat plan or business plan or operational plan, maybe this is more in line with, you know, personal priorities and stuff, but it's, it's sharing with somebody, as we said, it's having a coach or somebody to help hold you accountable and letting somebody know that, you know, these are priorities or tasks that need to be done this week. But another way to stay organized or focused is when somebody else is aware of it, or if you have a report or something that's due to a boss or somebody else, a stakeholder within the organization, um, that should also help, help, I would think, push it forward. So one of the first things we did just before we press record on this podcast is we both silenced our phones. We do it now just out of a, a matter of course. But what that speaks to is distractions. And mm-hmm. that's one of the worst things. I mean, we live nowadays in the most distracted world, don't we? There are innumerable interruptions that we face every day. And most of them come from the electronic devices that we have around us, um, constantly binging, pinging. Um, so I, what you know made me think of this is you need to be vicious with distractions. So mm-hmm. literally turn off your reminders. When, so for example, when you brought up set time aside to, to achieve a certain task. So whether it's you know, your administrative, sending out bills to your customers or whatever the case is, you got to do it. So you block off time. The first thing you should do is turn off all the notifications on all your devices. You can silence them really easily. Um, just, just, and it's not, it's not making it permanent. You can just turn them off for two hours or whatever the case is, so that you you don't have that little distraction that takes you away from your focus. Another mm-hmm. thing is, I, I, you know, some people might argue with me. I know my daughter used to, you know, she would do her. She's now 27 years old, but I remember when she was in high school and university. She used to, she could only get things accomplished. She'd write an essay when she had music playing and she had mm-hmm. texts coming in from her friends and she had, you know, uh, I mean, a ton of distractions going on, but her, in her brain that made her happy and she was able to accomplish her task. I don't know whether it's because I have a touch of ADHD, but I can't do that. I have to work in a very quiet environment. If there's any sound, like I can't have the TV on, I can't have the radio on because even music, I'll start, my mind will wander to what piece of music is that? And I I can't focus on what it is that I'm trying to do. So I have to work alone in a quiet place. Yeah. As I said, turn off all electronic reminders. And the other thing, you might not think of this, but don't be ravenously hungry or thirsty. So have a little snack before you go and close yourself in that room, bring water with you so that even that is not going to be a distraction because we'll find excuses to stand up and leave the work that we're doing. I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go for a snack or man, I'm thirsty or I need a coffee. It's time for a break. I'm going to take a coffee. Well, you know, if you're already had those things, maybe your stomach won't rumble and you won't have to leave. Anyway, it's just a thought. Yeah. You know what? I think they're all fair thoughts. I think, you know, the biggest thing I took away from what you're saying is it's having an understanding and a self-awareness of what works best for you. As you said, you need it to be very quiet. Your daughter needs it to, 
you know, have more sort of distractions or what you would consider distractions for her. It's, it allows focus. And I know my son is exactly the same way. He goes in to do some crazy physics or bio exams and he needs to have his earbuds in and he's got to have some music playing and he'll focus better. And I'd say I'm sort of a, a in between where you and your daughter are, I kind of fall in the middle, but so there is no right or wrong. It's understanding what works for you and your brain and it's um, setting yourself up to be successful in that capacity. So either turning off your notifications for me, I know when you and I are on these podcasts or when I'm in meetings with clients, I'll turn off my volume. I won't turn off my phone because as a mom, I if, if my kids were an emergency or something, I would be more distracted if I knew my phone was off and there was a chance that they could reach me, but I'll have it where there's no volume and it won't distract the people around me. So it is, it's understanding what works best for us to be able to focus. And the more you're focused, the more organized obviously you are and the more efficient you'll be. Well, so you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I do the same. I put my phone on silent. Um, I've already had two phone calls since we started this podcast. But even that, the fact that I know that is a problem because I've been distracted twice now and I've looked down to see who it was who called. Uh, mm. And that's taken my focus away from this podcast, which is terrible. I should turn the phone over so that I don't have to look at what, and this is, this can be, you know, lots of studies have shown just how addictive our electronic devices are. Mm -hmm. And because we get that little endorphin hit when we get a text from somebody or whatever, and uh, it can be deadly if you're driving the car and people cannot resist. They cannot resist looking down at their phone when it goes ding, they can't. So anyway, that, that's a critical example of where you have to silence your devices. But just in everyday stuff, you know, um, when, you're, when you're trying to accomplish a task, as much as possible, turn all your electronic stuff off. The other point, just before you move on, in terms of staying focused and, you know, being as efficient as possible, I'd, I would also suggest taking a look at your workspace. And are you you know, is there an opportunity to declutter at all? You know, what sort of a space are you working in? Are, are you surrounded by mounds of paper? You know, are you working on a tiny little corner of your desk to write, you know, barely just enough room for a post-it note, which by the way, I'm going to digress. I love post-it notes. I know there's going to probably be a million opinions on this. I am a post-it note queen. It seems like disorganization with all my crazy post-it notes. It's actually very organized, but again, that works for me. So that's that's just another something that I do. But anyways, what? the point I, is more of it. If I could interrupt for a sec, you know, you're not alone in that. Lots of people like post-it notes, and I think it's perfectly legit. In fact, I, I learned how legitimate it is from a friend of mine who uh, had a very successful high-tech firm here in Ottawa, who he recently sold, which he recently sold, but. Um, when developers, so these are the most technologically savvy human beings on the planet. These are computer engineering developers, okay? Um, when they're doing a, a brainstorming session, you should see the room. It's a wall covered in post-it notes. Oh, yeah. They write stuff down on post-it notes and they stick it on the wall. I mean, love it. Love it's it. fantastic. What, I yeah. mean, you know... <laughs> So again, it's finding out, right, that some people might be like, holy cow, that's the craziest thing. Other people might love it. It's really, it's it's fine-tuning it specifically for you and what works for you. But just to bring it back to what I was saying is, think about your workspace. 
You know, are you in a comfy chair? Do you need more of an ergonomic workspace? Do you need a stand sit desk? Do you, you know, is it, is there an opportunity to declutter, but your workspace can also help with how organized and how successful your day is going to be. You know, just while you're talking about cluttered environments, I heard an HR person once say, um, after you've finished interviewing a prospective employee who you've asked during the interview, are you an organized person? And they've said, oh, yes, I'm very organized. <laughs> what else are they going to say, right? He said, what you want to do is say, okay, the interview's over and walk them to their car. And he said, and say, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll walk you out to your car. And he said, when you get to the car, just have a peek in the back seat. He said, if it's piled up with stuff, he said, they're not an organized person. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How many of us have all kinds of junk in our back seat, right? Now, I guess as a parent, you probably don't because you need those seats to carry kids. But, oh, yeah. you know, a, a lot of professionals have a ton of junk in their back seat. And it, it just oh, that's funny. That's uh, funny. Well, the one other thing I did want to definitely mention before we we ended our podcast that I think is um, really important in, in terms of the topic of organization is delegation. Yeah. You know, yeah. Do you delegate? How well do you delegate? Who are you delegating to? How often are you delegating to? You know, as again, as business owners and leaders and entrepreneurs, there's a lot that falls on our plate, but sometimes you know, everything that's on our plate doesn't have to be our plate. So do you have an executive assistant that you can delegate some of your tasks to? And if you don't, you know, who within your organization can help with some of those tasks? You know, sometimes I'll do the ABC model and there's different ways you can, you can call it, but really it's, it's saying, A, these are the things that I am the only person that can do, or really as a business owner, these are my you know, this falls into my scope of responsibility. B would be the tasks that it would be good that I could do, but you know what? I could also put it onto Jim's plate and Jim can help with it. And C really are the tasks that I should not be doing. I should be able to give these to Bob or Sally or Joanne. And so it's really, it's taking the time to go through your tasks, putting an A, B or C beside it to A, help you prioritize, B, help you keep organized and C, you know, from a time management perspective, it's, 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 uh, I think we're all guilty of it. We don't always say no, we take on way too many things, but it really is important as a leader to be able to delegate. Ah, delegation. One of my favorite topics. I became very good at delegating. A lot of people have trouble with delegating candies because they, 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 they're a bit of a control freak and they have to do it themselves. And entrepreneurs are known for this. And anyway, that's a whole other topic. But delegation is a key way to help you stay organized because you get off your plate the things that aren't absolutely essential. What comes to mind when you said that is the Eisenhower matrix. Are you familiar with the Eisenhower matrix? Tell us. You've, well, you've probably seen it. We've probably all heard of it. That's Just Google search Eisenhower, as in the former president of the United States, Dwight Eisenhower, <laughs> matrix. And you'll see it's it's four quadrants, and they it, what the first quadrant is things that are important and urgent. Mm-hmm. The second quadrant is things that are important but not urgent. The third quadrant is things that are not important but urgent, and the last quadrant is things that are not important and not urgent. So you can 
like I, I keep a copy of this and I share it with all my clients because it's brilliant. Take, say, what is this task? Is this task important and urgent? Then the matrix says, you must do it. Do it now. Okay. And it gives examples of what kinds of things are important and urgent. Something that is important, but not urgent, you schedule it. Something that is not important, not, sorry, did I say, did I say that right? It's important, but not urgent. You schedule it. Something that is not important, but urgent, you delegate it. So it's not something that you need to do, as you said, that it's not something that only you can do, but it's still urgent. You can get somebody else to do it. That's a perfect example to, uh, to delegate it. And the last one is something that's not important and not urgent. The Eisenhower matrix says, just delete it. Don't, don't even think about it. It's not mm-hmm. important and it's not urgent. So don't do it. Yeah, all really great points. I think, you know, not specifically tied to organization, but just in regards to delegation and as a leader in an organization, delegation is actually really, really important to help with people's growth and development. You know, when you think about succession planning and employees retiring and new employees starting, by delegating, you're also helping to train and develop new skills and, and help with the career growth of people. So there's actually, an, and delegation isn't sort of the focus of our topic today, but there are a really, uh, there's a number of really great reasons that uh, people should learn the skill of delegation if it's not oh, something they have, and, right? and the flip side of that coin is what happens when somebody asks you to do something for them? So there, one of your colleagues is asking, they're delegating to you. How do you deal with that? And something that I learned years ago that is so powerful is to say, yes, I can do that for you tomorrow. It's fascinating what happens when you use those words because the person kind of stops and looks at you like, oh, I need it done now. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry, I can't do it now. My day is full. You need to have come to me yesterday. You needed to have come to me yesterday and then I could have scheduled it for today. But I'm sorry, I'm an organized person and today is finished. I'm mm-hmm. full for today. But I can do it for you. I can do it for you tomorrow. And guess what? They disappear. <laughs> and then they start learning that if they want you to do something, they got to give you a heads up on it. So they, it's, it's really mm-hmm. fascinating. Yes, I can do that for you. You're not saying no. You're saying I can do that for you, but I can't do it today. I have to do it tomorrow. Fantastic. Yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. And the other thing is learn how to say no to ideas that are off plan. So in other words, you know, you can write them down and review them later, but don't necessarily do them now. Know what's important to do now and what's not. And that kind of speaks to the Eisenhower matrix. What's urgent, yeah. what's important, right? Yeah. And as a business owner or a leader in an organization, I also believe that it's that's part of your role to help shape that for your employees. So in the theme of staying organized and helping your employees to be organized, do you have clear job descriptions? Are your employees clear on what their scope of responsibilities are and where they should be spending their time? That's part of shaping their organization. Do they know what's expected of them, you know, this quarter versus next quarter, if that's the case, if they've got specific targets, if they've got more of an admin role, what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. So the point is part of being organized as a business owner is having, you know, all all of those job descriptions, onboarding manuals, uh, business plans, but having all of those processes and policies outlined clearly for your employees. 
Yeah, absolutely. That that goes without saying. One thing I want to add is to try and avoid time wasters. <laughs> Uh, as I'm sure you maybe and lots of other people, my family, my son, uh, who's 33, and my daughter, who's 27, and my wife are totally into Wordle. And both my daughter and my son work full time, but they have this little chat room with my wife, and they compete with each other to see who can do the Wordle in the fewest amount of tries, right? Um, mm-hmm. So they all get on the chat and they say, How did I do today? And they do it together. Well, it might be 10 o'clock in the morning and they're doing Wordle. And so a couple of days ago, I had the nerve to say, hey, wait a minute. Aren't you guys working? Like, you know, seriously? Dad of the year. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but really, they shouldn't be distracted by stuff like this, right? So, you know, avoid social media. Like really serious professionals don't do social media during work hours. How about, you know, small talk with your colleagues? Like it's, it's okay to be friendly and nice. And, you know, we all wanted to talk about the storm this week that happened in, uh, in Ontario. You know, it doesn't mean spend an hour uh, talking about it, get it over with and politely move on. I've got things to do. And that speaks to having your schedule ready to go. Yeah. So time management is definitely hugely tied into being organized and, and, and doing time tracking, doing a time tracking exercise is absolutely one day to measure how you are utilizing your time. And is there an opportunity to improve where you're spending your time? And time tracking exercises is something actually I do quite often with a number of my clients. And it's hugely successful because... Tell me how this works. Like what, what I've never heard of that before. What is it exactly? So basically, um, time tracking... Yeah, yeah. So there's different variations of it, but really the short of it is, is you're tracking your time in 15 minute increments over typically, again, depending on why you're doing it, you know, the, the amount of time and the length of time you do it from may change. But on average, what I typically do is we'll do it over a four week period and the person will track their time in 15 minute increments. And so while, yes, it's not the funnest exercise and it is a little laborious, what you get out of it is completely worth the time that you're putting into doing it. So every day, every work day, you know, we typically, if, if, if you work on Monday to Friday, we're doing this for business hours, right? We're not doing it, you know, you know, when you're home, but Monday to Friday, if that's when your business hours are, and if you're working, making it up nine to five, but if you're supposed to work nine to five and you're working up until eight o'clock at night. So for the purpose of however long you're working, you track what you do in 15 minute increments. And by the end of the month, you've got all of this data. You've been able to see a number of different patterns that have developed. And basically the outcome is, is it shows us obviously how you're spending your time. And typically what shows up is there's a lot of time wasters in there, right? Which means that you're either A, not delegating, you're doing tasks that you shouldn't be doing. You're doing tasks that maybe should take an hour that are taking five hours, which could be for a number of different reasons, but it shows us how you're utilizing your time. And it's an opportunity to A, you know, manage your time better, help you be more efficient, more productive, more organized, 
it also tells us too, if somebody's thinking about potentially changing a career, what are you most passionate about? What do you not, right? Typically things that you don't love to do take you longer than they should because, well, you're not as engaged and you're not loving what you're doing. So there's just, there's a number of different reasons that I do it and a number of you know, beneficial pieces of information that come out of it. You know, typically we'll make a pie when we're done and we'll color coat where you've kind of spent most of your time, right? And so you can get that real, it becomes, because you're tracking it almost in an Excel spreadsheet, but by the time you're done, you're looking at, think of a pie and it's being spliced into different colors. Um, And so you're really getting that visual of how you're spending your time. So I would, you know, strongly suggest if, if somebody either to get more organized or again, really from a time management perspective, because again, as a leader, as a business owner, there's not a shortage of things to do, but where are you prioritizing your time and how efficient are you? And what, where are the gaps and pain points? What's getting dropped? You know, what do you not have time to do that you should? Right. So anyways, all that to say time tracking, I, I definitely have seen a value add for it. Oh, it sounds like a really powerful tool. It's like um, when I was uh, trying to lose weight, nutritionists suggested to me to write down everything I ate in a day. Holy crap, was that ever revealing the stuff that I never really noticed that I was stuffing in my mouth, right? <laughs> and so it's the same thing with your time. As you said, you waste a lot of time. If you're honest with yourself, that's going to show up on this little exercise. Um, it also, things that, like I would call it busy work. A lot of people get themselves involved in busy, busy, busy work. It's not really productive, but it makes you feel like you're being productive because you're busy, 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 but you're actually not getting anything moved. Nothing's getting accomplished here. So yeah. you know, that your, your little example of time of, what did you call it? Um, time tracking exercise. Time tracking, yeah, yeah. Time tracking exercise will show you exactly where you're wasting time and where you're doing busy work and where you're doing non-productive things. And then you only manage what you measure. So those by measuring it, you can start to see you can make the changes that you need to make. That's great. And to your point, you have to be truthful. I mean, there's no point in doing this no. exercise no. if you're not going to be truthful with yourself. Otherwise, there's there's no point. There's an, an, an there's an element of accountability that goes into doing this exercise. And so you have to commit to doing it for, you know, X amount of weeks, whatever we're sort of setting out to do it. But what you get out of it is is pretty neat. Even, you know, I'll, I'll share one other little example is by doing the time tracking, not only are we seeing maybe where there's time wasters or where, where you know, the opportunities are, we're also seeing what times of day, again, in the patterns, when are you most focused and when you, do you have the most energy? And some people making it up, that's from nine to noon. Right. Other people have a slower start to the day and they're most productive, let's say, from, you know, one to four p.m. So, again, it's organizing once we do time tracking and we kind of see what the patterns are. There's then the opportunity to organize your day based on when you're most efficient. If you've got to write a strat plan and we've we figured out that you're most focused in the afternoon, well, we're going to put those tasks in the afternoon. Or if we figured out that in the morning is when you're most focused on doing, you know, the more sort of mentally challenging tasks, we'll put those tasks kind of in the morning. And then in the afternoon, it's replying to emails or things that maybe aren't as mentally tasking, but we can organize your day based around, you know, when you are most focused, not when just 
it may, you know, oh, we'll just put this in at two o'clock if that's not sort of what suits right. you best. So right. anyways, I think you get the point. Yeah. Well, this has been a great uh, conversation. I think in the interest of time, we need to probably wrap it up. I wanted to share with you just before we end, if it's okay, I'm reading this really cool book. It's called, maybe I mentioned this last time, it's called The The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. Phenomenal book. And it just explains how people behave and why they behave that way. And it, it just sort of pulls the mask off people's I mean, people wear masks, right? And so you you uh, you get to learn what's behind the mask and why what their motivation is. It's really really cool. But this, I want to read you a quote from the book that that came up just yesterday, and I thought this would be really appropriate to mention. He says, "In a world full of endless distractions, you must focus and prioritize. Certain activities are a waste of time. Certain people of a low nature will drag you down, and you must avoid them." Keep your eyes on your long-term and short-term goals and remain concentrated and alert. Allow yourself the luxury of exploring and wandering creatively, but always with an underlying purpose. Hmm. Robert Greene, cool. Human Nature. Yeah. So I just thought that would be a, cool. an appropriate uh, way to perhaps end this podcast. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Well, I guess in closing, you know, as Jim and I said, as we started this podcast, we had thought that there would be value in talking about the topic of organization without having kind of any sort of specific script in mind. We just thought that there would maybe be or hope that there would be some value in sharing what works for us, what's worked for some of our clients, what, you know, we've heard have been some good strategies. Organization is typically an area where everyone can improve a little bit or is always you know, open to learning some new tips and tricks and, you know, getting 26 hours in a 24 hour day is not something we're able to do. So how to make the most out of our 24 hours is probably a more plausible cause. So with all that, hope that there's been some neat, you know, some value here and some neat tricks that or tips that we've been able to share today. And with that, I'm Jim. And I'm Candice. And this has been The Business Tune-Up. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Business Tune-Up Podcast with Candice and Jim. Got a question about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Connect with Candice or Jim through LinkedIn and send them a message. Thanks for listening. And until next time on the Business Tune-Up, continue to find your spark.